This is Curtis, and this is the Double Back Double Feature Podcast, the podcast where I take you on a tour of two movies. One movie will be much more popular than the other. This is the third episode, third episode of 10, and this is going to be a short one. I just want to give some thoughts very quickly before the new year on Star Wars The Force Awakens, and also talk a little bit about the lesser known film of the Star Wars universe, Ewoks, The Battle for Endor, a made-for-TV movie that I haven't seen since probably about 1988. Watched it a couple times on VHS at my grandparents' house. I hope everybody had a great holiday. I hope everybody is enjoying the holiday season. I'm sitting here with a cup of coffee and some eggnog. So I just saw The Force Awakens twice. I caught the standard digital edition at a theater uh, not too far from my house. And then a day or two later, I saw it uh, in 3D. Since the first time I saw it was a day, I think, I don't remember if it was opening day, like later in the evening on the day it opened, or maybe it was a day after it opened. But I wanted to get my thoughts out while they're still fresh and before uh, 2016 rolls around. I mean, it's so funny. I can literally remember stupid things. For for I, for example, I can remember every single album released by Kiss between 1974 and 2001. You just name a year, and I can tell you which album was released. And if you name a number, I could tell you what track that is, uh, what the title of the track is on the album. And probably in nine cases out of ten, I could give you all the lyrics to that song. But I cannot remember major details and important details, and not to mention the more nuanced stuff from films I really like, such as The Force Awakens. I just can't remember them uh, unless I watch them over and over and over again. Battle for Endor, that was directed by Jim Wheat, and uh, the guy has a pretty wide list of film credits as a writer, director, and producer. Uh, He wrote, uh, he was included in the writing of the fourth installment of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Uh, The Dream Master came out in 88, which uh, actually I think The Dream Master was one of the first horror movies I rented on my own, with my own money, back when I um, was younger. I, I rented it, I think I also rented Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and maybe even the third Nightmare movie in that, that first batch I brought home. So I had two Nightmare films and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now, The Dream Warriors, the, the third Nightmare on Elm Street movie, you know, just as a quick sidebar, it, it really is by far the best executed Freddy movie in my uh, in my estimation. It, it walks that high wire between campiness and terror. I mean, you know, it, it it's able to pull it off. I think Freddy's Dead is probably the one you want to go to that's the most fun, just overall. Like, if you just want something to laugh at, Freddy's Dead is probably the one in the series you want. But Dream Warriors has a good mix. I think I watched Texas Chainsaw 
and Dream Warriors that night, and then Dream Master the day after, if I'm remembering correctly. Anyway, yeah, so before I get any deeper into this, I just want to preface this by saying I'm more of a Star Trek guy, uh, but when a new Star Wars movie comes out, I tend to get Star Wars fever, even with the prequels. Uh, I, it's the same way. I had the original trilogy on VHS when I was a kid, and I watched it incessantly. You know, I used to call Darth Vader Dark Vader when I was a, when I was younger and had no idea. I even had a Luke Skywalker toothbrush. Anyway, I really wish that J.J. Abrams would have taken the approach that he took in The Force Awakens that he did with the Star Trek films. Uh, I really, I guess I'm, it, it, maybe it's just me, I'm pretty anti-reboot. I'm not a big fan of series that get a reboot. I would much rather see something new. Well, maybe at least with Star Trek, I want to see something new. Star Trek can do new things and pull it off. I mean, they had Deep Space Nine, for goodness sakes. They, they can do it. Next generation. Um, I don't know about Voyager or Enterprise, but Star Trek can do new things. It's proven. But this film just really felt like Star Wars to me, and it felt new and fresh. I think it was fantastic. Actually, for this podcast, when I rewatched the Ewoks movie, The Battle for Endor, I live tweeted it. And I, since I, I you know, I said this is going to be short, I'm just going to read some of the entries that I put on, uh, on Twitter and kind of expound a little bit more on that. So, as I mentioned, the movie, uh, I don't know if I did mention this actually. The, the film was originally released in 1985, it was made for TV. And one of the first things I noticed is that the principal, is it Mr. Not Mr. Bender, that is the guy, that's the Judd Nelson guy. Uh, anyway, the principal from Breakfast Club. But if he would have read the script, he would have seen that whoever wrote the script for Battle of Endor, I'm sorry, like, it was written over a weekend. It was it was written for the kids, it was written over the weekend. There's not a whole lot of plot going on here. It's mostly really long and drawn-out action scenes that seem purely overall i think the battle for indoor was written for kids who are playing with toys in the living room you have the movie on tv and they're not even paying attention they're in and out their attention span is totally limited and this movie knows it they are just giving them ewoks and lasers and explosions and that's what it it's that's the audience for this thing. The Ewoks speak English in this movie. I mean, do they speak English in Jedi? I don't remember. I think no, I think they just jibber jabber. I mean, uh, you know, Yub Nub, the song that ends Jedi, that's that's not English. I don't know. I thought that was weird. Anyway. And actually somebody says the words, I have the power. Kind of like uh, it total totally sounds like He Man. I mean, this thing, this movie was you know probably not unlike He Man, just a commercial for a toy line that was going to come out. I don't want to say pure cash grab. That would that'd be selling it short. But this thing, there's not a whole lot of art going on in this thing, you know. 
I mean, really, it's a pure action. There's, it's almost pure action from beginning to end nonstop, almost. I mean, there, there's some breaks, but I would say the first half hour, it's nonstop. I really feel sorry for the Ewoks because there's so much stress going on. There's, there's, so, there's so much, so many people coming after people. They're escaping and they're fighting and they're hang gliding. I, you almost feel sorry for them. I really had to take a break. I had to take a break partway through this movie. It's so brutally mundane. There's no dramatic tension. You, I had to take a break. I think I uh, turned it off and you know did something else for a while. Came back and continued watching it. It was it's a perfect movie to be live tweeting because it gave me. I, I was doing something else rather than just being passive and watching. I needed to do something else while watching this movie. Otherwise, I would have been bored to tears. But it, I mean, overall. I remember loving this as a kid. I remember loving it. And it really does not, it doesn't, it didn't age well. It really didn't. But if you have kids who like to play with toys in the living room, by all means, put it on. They'll probably love it. It's great background noise. But to sit down and watch it would, it's too much. It really is too much. Anyway, moving on to The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens, the, the movie really was spot on in so many ways, and I really can't say enough good things about it. I highly recommend it. Like I said, it looks like Star Wars. I don't know the name of the Silver Stormtrooper. It's obvious that it's played by a female, I'm quite sure. I remember uh, a feminine voice, but it, it just seems so Star Wars, that, that Stormtrooper, whenever... I'm going to say she, because I, I remember it, it may have been a, a woman's voice, but whenever I saw that Stormtrooper come on screen, I was like, oh, this looks like Star Wars. This is this is great. It just looks so cool. And, uh, you know, Finn, the, that, Finn's character is a great addition to the universe. It really is. You can see this guy acting through the suit, and it's so well done. So well done. I did notice a, actually a connection between uh, the battle for Endor and the Force Awakens. Rey, when she uh, takes in uh, BB-8, she kind of gives a caveat like, "Okay, you can stay with me, but you got to leave in the morning." And it's the same exact thing that Noah does in uh, the battle for Endor with Wicket and the little girl. He takes them in. And he kind of begrudgingly takes them in and says, hey, you got to leave in the morning. Uh, Noah is actually played by uh, Wilford Brimley, which is kind of funny. But it, uh, yeah. So there was that same kind of this resistance, but ultimately they kind of uh, combined forces, which is pretty cool. I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm not, I'm more of a Star Trek guy, so I'm not really boned up on. Uh, the Star Wars universe, per se. like I've seen the movies, I really enjoy uh, the franchise. But correct me if I'm wrong. Does everybody call the Millennium Falcon the Millennium Falcon? I feel like in the movie, people call it Falcon over and over again. But there's at least one time when Han calls it the Falcon. So that was just something interesting. I I saw. And uh, Carrie Fisher was one of her, you know, Princess Leia in the movie didn't seem like Princess Leia to me. I know it's been years and years and years 
since Carrie Fisher played uh, the character, but it really did seem like she was acting in another movie. I understand that people can change, and, and that can be a good thing. I'm glad she was in the film, but it, it didn't seem like Princess Leia. And lastly, I, I just wanted to uh, say something very briefly about Kylo Ren. I think this is going to be a really fun character, a really great character coming up in, in the other films. He was super cool, so Star Wars, just a lot of fun to watch, acted great, just very sinister, but, uh, you know, somebody who, I don't want to say a bad guy that you can get behind, but had that same creepiness that Vader had, and you're not quite sure what he's capable of, wholly confident in his wickedness. <laughs> you know, somebody who could really who can really do some damage. But I'm really surprised that I haven't come across people talking about Kylo Ren and his helmet. It's obvious that he doesn't need the helmet, and even Han Solo tells him to take off the helmet because he doesn't need it. Almost in a way like a, you know, a parent would tell their kid to uh, you know, shave their beard or you know, take their gauges out. Uh, in this, it's almost the same way, you know, just take the helmet off, you don't need it. A very fatherly thing to say, but very appropriate since he actually is his father. I'm not trying to make the movie more than it is. I'm not trying to get all academic or wax poetic about this. Uh, that said, in 2015, it seems the, uh, the West puts a premium on folks changing the material around them or assigning material no particular meaning except what they personally assign it. I wonder if Kylo Ren is going to be picked up by some folks and ran with in a political or social manner. I'm not, I'm not sure, but it's interesting uh, that he decided to associate himself with his grandfather in such a strong way that he would wear this helmet, that he'd wear like this thing on himself to connect himself to his history, to his heritage. Well, maybe it's his own personal narrative, uh, you know, one that he chose, a personal narrative that he chose for himself. I don't know. I mean, it's uh, there's no practical purpose for the helmet. Is there, it, I guess, is this some kind of neo-traditional thing or is... Kylo Ren, an example of somebody, uh, you know, connecting to their own history in a very tangible way? Or is Kylo Ren showing dominion over himself? Is this like uh, an identity that he's chosen for himself? I don't know. I don't know, it, but it sure is interesting. There's this metaphysical aspect to the character that I think is going to be really cool. I look forward to seeing how it pans out. This is just a short episode. I wanted to get my thoughts out there before the new year. Wish you all a happy and safe holiday season. Grab some eggnog because it's probably half price right now. If you have any suggestions for movies you would like me to cover on this podcast, please hit me up on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Curtis Ruru. That's C-U-R-T-I-S-R-U-R-U. I'm also on Instagram name there is cc underscore ruru 
One other thing I'd like you to do before uh, we meet again is to go check out Doug McCoy. Uh, go check out his podcast and his website. You can find them at authordougmccoy.wordpress.com. His podcasts I really enjoy. Uh, he has two of them that I particularly enjoy. One's called uh, Crazy, Creepy, Cool Movies. And the other one is uh, not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with movies, but it's called Dumb Things I Did When I Was a Kid. It's a podcast that he has with uh, Zerbinator. And these guys are so funny. Their Christmas episode of Dumb Things I Did When I Was a Kid had me rolling. It's hilarious. Uh, yeah, thanks again. And just remember, when it's movie night, don't let the evening end when the movie's over. <laughs>